A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast live from Wimbledon where play has just been completed for the night over on Centre Court. Novak Djokovic is one of those people, we've all got friends like this, that give them a deadline and they respond to it brilliantly. He knew there was a curfew tonight and he got that job done just under the wire of curfew. Three straight sets over Stamarinka. Turns out Stan Rinker is, is a man of his word. He wasn't a threat to win the Wimbledon title, as it turned out. I was going to say, it's difficult to know exactly where to start with the things that I got wrong last night. <laughs> <laughs> but that one's certainly near the top of the list. Um, yeah, that you're right. I agree with you. I think Djokovic knew that barring something out of his control, he was going to get that done tonight. And he was going to be ultra efficient. There's no shenanigans and he actually, I think, even gave himself some breathing room. He he was so awesome for those first two sets. And we've seen him do it before. That's a period of time where he just would play Federer and Murray and, and just go up two sets to love in next to no time and just dash all the hopes of the hype merchants like myself. Um, and here it was just get the, get the curfew out of the way. And then actually I think he just he took his foot off the gas a bit in the third even. I'm, I'm not saying he let Stan back into it, but he was definitely not on it as much as he was in those first two. I think he could have finished that quicker. Such a marker of Novak Djokovic's incredible longevity, isn't it? That Stan Wawrinka is his contemporary and was his bogeyman. And here they both are. Look, Stan Wawrinka is still a, a great tennis player, but Djokovic is better than when he was losing to Stan Wawrinka at slams. And Wawrinka is, let's face it, worse, which is normal at 37 <laughs> years of age I think he might even be 38 but that's what's normal the mm. Varinka thing is normal what Djokovic is doing not normal not normal yeah no that I actually had the exact same thought you know we used to be so excited about Wawrinka Djokovic matches at slams and 
now this this to me never felt like it really would be close as soon as as soon as the match started Novak Djokovic created a few break points in the very first uh, return game that he had he didn't take them but it was a marker that okay he's fine against Stan Wawrinka to be quite honest and yeah I mean he's won he's won over 50% of the slams that he's entered in his 30s Novak Djokovic and <laughs> what yeah I looked that up during this match because I was having that thought just look that up uh, it's absolutely <laughs> insane how how much more kind of efficient he's got in his 30s. And that was the word that came to mind to describe those those two first sets. You know, we were struck by the level of Andy Murray and Stefanos Tsitsipas when we were watching that on centre court yesterday and again today. And it made me realise, yeah, that was a high level, but it's nowhere near the level that Novak Djokovic is playing at. He's playing at a higher level and he's making it look easier. It was all an ordeal for Andy Murray and Stefanos Tsitsipas. And this was just Novak Djokovic doing what he does. It was. It seemed to be coming easy to him. And that's such an advantage that he just has over everyone else. David, you commentated today on Djokovic's next round opponent, Hubert Hurkacz. He has taken a set off Djokovic at Wimbledon before, which counts as... Jeopardy in Novak Djokovic matches at the moment, doesn't it? He was very good today, Hubert Hurkacz, in beating Lorenzo Massetti, who wasn't good. So, I mean, you take that as you will. But, I mean, that match had Hurkacz serving fantastically well throughout. He hit, I think he hit 14 aces, and he's going to need to hit more than that to, to beat Djokovic. He really does have a a bigger game than I perhaps realised until I watched it up close. I don't think I've seen him that much up close before. And um, and I was taken by how efficient he is, how hard that serve is. And, and uh, you know, he was he was just really good. And, and Massetti, once he started to lose his way on his serve, the rest of the game followed. It's like, a, my serve's not working. I had two double faults in a row from 40-15 up, lost his serve, and then the rest of the game just fell apart. And, and he has no poker face at all he you know Alcaraz goes two sets of love down he's bouncing out of the chair and he's ready right come on then let's let's throw down for set number three well Massetti looked beaten when he walked out of a set three and that was that if Hercatch could play as well as he can play he could give a good account of himself against Djokovic <laughs> That's David Law hype man, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. A, look, if a, her catch plays the best he can possibly play, he can give a good. Yeah, I think he could spot. win a set. You know, I think he's he's a really good player, and he's an, he's an, a complete player, uh, pretty complete. <laughs> but Djokovic is just better. I mean, he's just better in every single way. And and the thing is, it feels like Djokovic, in some ways, is actually getting better. Yeah. In terms of his economy and efficiency and and his use of mental strength to, to actually I think the big problem is Hercatch would come out and just be overwhelmed by the aura of Djokovic this is a new thing to me Djokovic using his aura yeah and Hercatch doesn't Ladies have oh, it's that time of the night folks 15 minutes way to the exit gates and take all your belongings with you we hope you've enjoyed your day at Wimbledon and pleasant and safe journey home. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
the premium hospitality and experience provider. I didn't know they were going to get a mention, did they? <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, gosh, we, we've peaked far too soon with that, Matt. That was. Well, ab- it's the same every day. Absolutely <laughs> extraordinary. He's looking at um, whether whether Novak Djokovic has beaten fifty percent of his grand slams in his 30s he can certainly handle that <laughs> i i think what i was going to say was um bublik bublik is the interesting player lurking in djokovic's section he won today i'm not saying bublik is going to beat djokovic but he can scramble some eggs i'm no i'm no longer worried about the limp um <laughs> right um, great but no look you're, you're right in as much as he will just come out and have a have a laugh I mean, you'll just go out and have fun. Mm. And that can be dangerous. Yeah. And whereas her catch, uh, this is what I was going to say before Matt's... What, what was that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't know. Matt, Matt's auditioning for a new job. <laughs> <laughs> um, he doesn't have main character syndrome, Hubert Hercatch, does he? He's not going to go out there and impose himself. He's be quite interesting, you know. I, I was commentating with um, Nick Monroe uh, on on the TV and he he'd spoken quite a lot today to her coach's coach Craig Boynton who he knows quite well and and to just get an insight into what it sounds like Boynton is trying to do with her catch to get him to feel his size and to play up to his ability and not shrink you know he says he's sending him out to play big tennis to play grass court tennis to hit his forehand to go for shots and be a an alpha out there because I think too often he he allows himself to get into a cat and mouse match uh, a grind he's had 38 tie breaks this year he he had six consecutive five set matches at the Australian Open and the French Open it was extraordinary and, and one on one level you might say credit to him for all those battles but I also think well, that's not going to get you where you want to be. Yeah, I think I think Novak Djokovic would sign for three tie breaks against Hubert yeah. Hercatch. Against anybody. Yeah. He's signing for tie breaks against anybody. Back himself to win them all. I mean, he actually wasn't very good in the tie break that we just watched against mm, Stan Wawrinka. Made, made he, some actual unforced errors. He did, he? yeah. A, a, a terrible drop shot at one, at one stage. Uh, but, you know, he, he did manage to regroup in time and win it and yeah he's he doesn't need to prove himself in tie breaks he's he's already done that a word for david law ladies and gentlemen a man that did his hubert hercatch research this morning clearly yes that's correct mm. <laughs> uh let's stick with the men seeing as that's where we are and let's pick up from the cliffhanger of yesterday when we recorded last night andy murray was leading two sets to one over stefanos Sitsipas. they came back second match of the day on centre court today following on from Carlos Alcaraz's victory over Alexander Muller and Andy Murray lost the two sets that were played and he lost the match it was quite a similar match to yesterday I think it picked up pretty much where it left off obviously in different conditions as we discussed last night and as was planned the roof was open it remained a completely serve dominated match there was one break and it went to Stefanos Tsitsipas the first set was a tie break the second set was decided by one break of serve and in the end it came down the difference was one tie break Andy Murray broke the Stefanos Tsitsipas serve once Stefanos Tsitsipas broke the Andy Murray serve once I'm talking about over the Mm. course of the whole match over the two days and Tsitsipas won two tie breaks and Andy Murray 
1-1. I'm sure that's very cold comfort to Andy Murray right now, who was disconsolate, furious in the press conference after that defeat. And I can absolutely understand why. What is ever present in his mind and pretty much the first words out of him in that press conference were, you just don't know how many more opportunities you're going to have, especially not ones where he's got his body in optimum shape with that metal hip at 36 years of age. It's a gaping opportunity missed, particularly because the tennis was there. David, you watched most of these two sets. Yeah, you you sent me off out with your pass uh, into the press <laughs> seats for the first time this championships and I was... To ruin Charlie Eccleshare's <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> yes, I, we decided to test out what it would be like to sit behind me after last night's show and Charlie got pictorial evidence that it's a nightmare. <laughs> you don't have much of a view. It's you, on our Instagram, folks. Yeah, he, Charlie saw about a third of this match. Yeah, yeah. Mm behind David's head um, so I was like a kid in those seats because of the uh, usually when I'm commentating I'm behind I'm behind a glass window and yes I've got earphones on to hear the court effects it's just not the same being out there especially for an Andy Murray match or any match where there's a massive atmosphere like that it was electric I, was, I had goosebumps even when the players just walked out um, and honestly I was not remotely concerned for Andy Murray's chances all the way through that set he was in control of it he was I I wrote down various very short notes to myself as it was going on one of them was grass court know-how one of them had it one of them didn't Sitsipas was would play well and then he would shank and then he would overhit and Murray was just playing within himself because he knows how to play on a grass court but he didn't break he didn't take a chance. And then, when it went to three-all in the tie-break, I saw the best grass court point I've ever seen Stefanos Tsitsipas play. They went toe-to-toe, side-to-side. Murray asked every grass court question you can ask of a player who's maybe more comfortable on a hard court or a clay court. And Tsitsipas answered them all with deft touches, slices, uh, recuperating in recovering in in positions on his forehand slice to just nudge it back over and then eventually to take over and win the point I mean it was a double digit I don't know it was probably 20 shot rally or or something along that lines and that gave him 4-3 and he didn't lose another point in the tie break it was that was the difference as far as I could see because he then took off and he took it away from Andy Murray the way Andy Murray might feel right now though is that he shouldn't have been in that tie break in the first place because there was a moment David you were on court for this moment for all in the fourth set 15.30 on the Sitsipas serve and a Murray return cross court short dipping or slicing sliding onto the sideline underneath the umpire's chair and it's called out by the line judge and it's immediately confirmed that call by the umpire in the chair so Andy Murray doesn't challenge and as is customary now what then happens for everybody watching on TV is that the Hawkeye replay comes up and shows that Andy Murray had he challenged would have been successful that return was good and it might well have been a winner and Look, that would only have given him 1540. Stefanos Tsitsipas was serving bombs today. 
it's not a given that he would have broken there. It's not a given that he would have won that point. But in Andy Murray's post-match press conference, he was asked about that point and about the fact that that return was indeed in, and he didn't know. He came to press very quickly after the defeat. I don't think he'd showered. He had his two big bags with him. It looked to me like he'd gone, maybe had a a quick chat with his team, and then he was into the press conference room. And his face, when he heard the news that that shot was in and that he should have challenged, was extraordinary, actually. It was a really surreal, extraordinary moment in the press conference room. He he questioned it, he queried it, he said it was in. And the journalist, I, I think it might have been Simon Briggs. I think it was Neil McClemon who asked the question. Right. Um, and it was confirmed. And you just saw, and I'm sorry to, to anybody listening to this and not watching on YouTube, but I am going to take advantage of the fact that we're on camera here for a lot of you because I'm not sure I can do it justice by describing his face. He just, he, there was a, a beat and then he just, just crumpled, crumpled over the microphone was clearly trying not to talk trying to compose himself but you could just see his jaw clenching and unclenching and as I was discussing this moment with with Charlie Eccleshare of The Athletic the aforementioned Charlie Eccleshare whose viewing experience was ruined by David Law today he may or may not have seen this return (laughs) (laughs) Um, just to kind of check that he experienced that moment in the room the same way that I did and he said yeah it was absolutely extraordinary because Andy Murray's such a know-it-all in the press conference room in a a really great way in a non-annoying way but He's got all the stats. He's a student of the game. He 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 knows more about his game than than you do. I mean, he was a little. He he. We detected a little element of sort of surprise and oh, you're on to me when we asked him. That's the royal we. When I asked him about Matt's um, pick up on his change of service motion the other day, he likes to know the most in the room. And that moment of vulnerability from Andy Murray in that situation, seeing that raw reaction. Um, was quite something and I do think he's going to be having I think he's going to be an absolute nightmare to be around for for weeks I know he gets over losses quicker than he used to I'm sure having being at home he doesn't have to travel anywhere now he's got four kids I'm sure that grounds him very quickly but in the quiet of the night that's that's where it's I think be. he'll feel it. I think he'll be fine when he's around his family, but it, it'll be in those moments where he's thinking to himself, or maybe having a quiet dinner with somebody he, he trusts about this, or his wife, or whoever it is, that it hurts, that it's all wasted energy in the end and and time. Yeah, because for him to do what he's doing, for him to carry on his career in the in the state of health that he's in with that with that hip that is you know finishing in his own words he needs little moments of validation doesn't he he needs things like getting a big win over Stefano Tsitsipas at Wimbledon you know that that's what he's training for that's what he's making the sacrifices for and any little moment like this that makes some sort of you know, sort of makes that harder for him with this with this call on 
on the line there. He's he's going to feel that in in the strongest possible way. And you know, I, I totally understand why he's why he's absolutely gutted about that. Um, and yeah, he's he's had a run of good health in the last six months, nine months, or whatever, you know. And that had not been the case post hip resurfacing. He'd kept picking up little niggles in other parts of his body, and it finally felt like now he's in a He's in a state where his tennis is really good. He, he, he did play really well yesterday and today. Uh, but who knows what is, you know, around the corner, whether it's a, a dip in form, whether it's a dip in motivation, or whether it's another injury. And it, it, it didn't feel like exactly now or never, because I do think, you know, we may well be in this position with Andy Murray again next year. He's 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 defied a lot in his career. But now ish or never. Right. There's when we're very near never. Yeah. <laughs> we're unfortunately approaching never, and he's as conscious of that as as anyone. Interested to see how far Sitsipas can go with this, and how much he can use this win in the tennis that he played. He's got Laszlo Gera for a place in week two of Wimbledon and the winner of that face is the winner of Christopher O'Connell against Christopher Eubanks, the Christopher off. Hmm. Now let's talk about Christopher Eubanks, shall we? He beat last year's semi-finalist Cam Norrie today in four sets. Biggest win of his career, carrying on his form from winning Mallorca the week before Wimbledon. He's 27 years old and he's making his Wimbledon main draw debut. He didn't even know where the Orangi practice courts were the other day. <laughs> wow. He had to ask. He had to ask Pam Shriver. Yeah. Did he really? Yeah. yeah. She told us. Oh, yeah. Pam. <laughs> um, now, look, he, he came through the college route, didn't he? So, actually, he's only been pro five or six years, um, played for Georgia Tech. I'm sure they're great. Um, and he had his big breakthrough in Miami earlier this year and in the lead up to Miami and that was when he broke the world's top 100 and it's as a result of breaking the world's top 100 that we're we're seeing him here and we're seeing him regularly on the tour Um, and he's been doing commentary for the tennis channel over the course of the last year and he's been an absolute revelation and a massive hit hasn't he Yes, and he said it's helped his tennis, David, oh. as a commentator. I well, felt I've like that was potentially sp- good news for you or 20, not. Matt, I've been doing it 20 years. <laughs> did you, did it look like it had I, been helping me? <laughs> I loved him saying that. Mm. I really he, loved it. The respect he showed to the profession. Mm. Um, you know, naming no names, but there are certain tennis players, ex-tennis players, soon to be less ex-tennis players, <laughs> that just assume that commentators and people in the media are just failed tennis players. What are you saying about <laughs> Kevin Anderson? <laughs> and Riley Opelka. No, that's a gag about the fact that Kevin Anderson announced he's coming out of retirement today. Did he? News, yeah. News, I didn't put it in the agenda, David, because no one's <laughs> ready for it, but seeing as it's come up. I mean, I barely remember him retiring. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you we don't need to because it's irrelevant that. now. Yeah. Anyway, so someone who shall remain nameless said that recently yep. about the media, didn't they? And it didn't go down brilliantly in these circles. <laughs> so it's re- I just loved, I love hearing the way Christopher Eubanks talks about that experience. Mm. And I just love Christopher Eubanks. He's a wonderful story. And it's a bit like the way we talked about Liam Brody yesterday. 
from a very British perspective. From an, he's he's America's Liam Brody, isn't he? Although possibly with a a, a lot higher ceiling than Liam Brody. Let's be honest. Yeah, he's, he's certainly got a a bigger game, and he he really brought that to bear on on court one against Cameron Norrie today. It felt to me this match like the difference between a player who's confident and a player who's 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 not at the moment. Honestly, Cameron Norrie has not played well for a few months now, really since since Indian Wells. He had, he had a brilliant start to the year, Cameron Norrie. Someone may or may not have put him in the mix to win the Australian Open. I can't honestly remember whether you did. But, but then I evened it out by saying he produced the worst performance I'd ever seen right. exactly. a few weeks later. Roland Garros. He, he's been yeah. in worst performance you've ever seen territory for a while. Um, and Christopher Eubanks is full of confidence, exactly as you said, coming off, coming off his maiden title in Mallorca just, just last week. And it, in all the big moments, he, he stepped up and just went for it just took just took the match from Cameron Norrie it was it was pretty spellbinding to watch actually he, he I always forget that he's got a single-handed backhand um and yeah the the point he made about commentary helping him was that what it really does is helps him not get down on himself after making errors and unforced errors because he, he's able to sort of zoom out and say, well, if I was in the commentary box, I would analyse that as, actually, that's not a bad error because I, made, I went for the right shot or I did, I did the right thing, I just missed. Whereas he used to you know, always just get down on himself if, if he was making errors. So I thought it was a really interesting mm. point. And, uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> that, is, that is an opportunity for Christopher Eubanks and OG sensation Christopher O'Connell uh, to reach round four at Wimbledon. That's, 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 that's huge for both of them. He is 28 in the race, Christopher Eubanks. You've been into the race today. I, it, big day for the race, guys. Hope, hope you're enjoying the race chat because it is going to come up again just before it does come so up. Excited. Actually, no, it's going to come up again here. Let's complete the British men's trifecta of doom, shall we? Uh, because Liam Brody. Also lost today. We had Murray, Norrie and Brody all losing within... Well, Murray and Norrie lost within about a 20-minute period. And then about an hour later, Liam Brody followed. A, a valiant effort from him. Won the first set against Denis Shapovalov. Uh, lost the subsequent three. So that's Shapovalov through to round four at Wimbledon. Taking advantage of the opportunity that we knew was there for him but none of us trusted him to take advantage of because, can I tell you where Denis Shapovalov is in the race? Yes. What would you guess? 64. Oh, OK, well, this is... That's annoyingly close. <laughs> <laughs> He's 72 oh, in the okay. race. 72. On this year's results, he is the 72nd best player. Well, that feels about right. I mean, he's been terrible. In all honesty, to this point in this year, he is just. But now he's got himself into what is it? Third round, fourth, fourth round, round. No, fourth round. Fourth fourth. He's in the last sixteen of Wimbledon. This is a guy who beat Andy Murray to get to the semi-finals, didn't he? On his way there, um, and he actually put up a decent performance against Novak Djokovic. The tennis is in there somewhere. Somebody's got to get it out. I have to say I still don't hold out much hope for it that, that in any in any short-term uh, scenario. Credit to him for getting to the fourth round, but I did see quite a bit of that match, and Liam Brody really shouldn't be living with him, a guy of his talents, and mm. it was close. 
Uh, but still, he won. Um, <laughs> so let's see if he can do any more than where, where he is now. Who's he got? He's got Roman Sefulin. Well, that's a good draw. I mean, and again, now, I, now I'm dissing Roman Sefulin, who's got himself into the fourth round. But on paper, that should be a good draw, yeah. shouldn't it? Yeah, there are good draws and there are bad draws. People yeah. can defy their draws and opposite. Yeah. But uh, Daniel Medvedev today finished off his, what looked like was going to be a win yesterday over Adrian Manorino. You can't lose to somebody that's serving underarm serves that bounce before the net. You just you can't do that. And you didn't lose to me when I did something very similar <laughs> no, to that. That was an overarm serve that bounced yeah. before the net. Don't know that if that's but don't know. What do you think? Don't underarm know. serve bouncing before need the a net's split worse. Screen. I think I genuinely think it is worse to underarm serve. Yeah. yeah. Me too. I think you're um, right. Yeah. So um he was asked after the win, Medvedev, if he's at home on grass now. Mm. And he said, getting there, I'm at the door, I'm not inside yet. <laughs> <laughs> Love Medvedev. Maybe he'll get inside tomorrow. He places Martin Fucevic. Yes, which... Which you think will be tricky. I do. I mean, I, I, I rate Fucevic. I mean, he played that brilliant first set against Djokovic at Roland Garros, didn't he? He's... He's still got good tennis in him, I think. And, yeah, Medvedev is, is not quite fully comfortable on this surface yet. So I, I, I do think that's a bit tricky. I was impressed with Medvedev today because uh, we watched him a couple of years ago be in this exact situation against Hubert Hurkacz where he was, he was, you know, a match was suspended and he had to come back the next day. This is the Hubert Hurkacz pod, isn't it? <laughs> Last night was the Casper Ruud pod. All the big names, guys. Except we've generally been a bit nicer about Hubert. <laughs> Just at the moment. Sorry, Matt, as you were. Well, on that day, Medvedev came out really flat the next day against Hercatch, Uh And there was absolutely none of that today. He, he was a little on the edge. You know, I think, I think he knew that Manorino was, was very dangerous. But he was also extremely focused and absolutely was not going to let happen again what happened to him against Hercatch And... Yeah, I mean, I'm in. I'm enjoying Medvedev this tournament, uh, and yeah, I mean, he's not won Wimbledon before, and we know he doesn't win events twice. Ooh, yes, so yes. Ooh. get inside you that know. door, Daniil. Yeah, I, I, I think he's. I think he's closer to being at home on grass than he, than he thinks. Is he in the mix? No, because it's a mix of one, which is. So you're just discounting Alcaraz from the mix as well. I would well. be surprised if anybody other than Djokovic... I would be surprised if Djokovic... Alcaraz beat Novak Djokovic here. Come on, it's a mix of one. I the mix su- is, would you be surprised if... I would be surprised if anybody other than Novak Djokovic won Wimbledon. Yeah. That was the case prior to this tournament, and it's very much the case now. I wouldn't be surprised if Carlos Alcaraz won any tournament ever. Even with Novak Djokovic in the draw? Yeah. Because if he got to the final, he's flying. He was flying at Roland Garros. I know. He's going to learn. That's okay. my fe- that's my theory. I think I, he will learn, but I think it, yeah. Novak Djokovic. Is... Look, 
I also said Stan Wawrinka was playing mind games and Andy Murray was going to have a good run. Guys, we've got nine more of these pods. <laughs> yes, sorry. Okay. Plus two live shows yeah. before the final. We're using so final material save, already. Save your best material for matches we don't even know are happening yet. Uh, I mentioned Alcaraz won today. First up on Centre Court. His first ever Centre Court win, wasn't it? Over Alexander Muller. Um, unspectacular, but got the job done. Muller just sort of wouldn't go away, would he? Yeah, that's right. I think uh, an important moment for Alcaraz to get his first centre court win. He, I was reminded today of just how much he said playing on centre court last year against Sinner. It was the first time he played on it, and and he lost that match. And he, he said he was almost intimidated by it. He, he found it really difficult. He was, you know, it was not only did he have a handful with Sinner playing well, but he he wasn't comfortable in his surroundings. So I think it's a big moment for him to finally get that first win on centre court. Uh, the drop shot was back. It, was, it wasn't it was there, really, in his in his first round match. He wasn't really playing it. Today, he was playing it all the time, and he was winning loads of points uh, off that shot. And yeah, I think I think a pretty good test for him, actually, because Muller, Muller played really, really well, and Alcaraz, you know, was forced to weather a couple of storms and really have to find his best tennis in in the tie break that they played and and he did all of that it was just a just a very solid win for Alcaraz and he's got Nicholas Jarry next and you're our resident Nicholas Jarry guy <laughs> yes he, he's both sort of dead to me <laughs> because he didn't get to the quarterfinals at Roland Garros when I needed him to needed him to <laughs> and yet I do also still rate him and and think he's good Look, Matt and I have de- desks next to one another here and he's always talking about Nicholas Jarry. <laughs> in what context? Just like whenever he comes up or he's on a scoreboard, oh, he's really good, you know. <laughs> do you, he's do you, Nicholas Jarry's Do you think man. he's got a chance against our crowds? I mean, like, what's his percentage chances as we sit here I know right you now? think Nicholas Jarry does have a chance against Alcaraz. Do I? I mean, I'm also an Alcaraz guy, aren't I? I'm more of an Alcaraz guy than I am a Nicholas Jarry guy. This is revisionist history. You said earlier, I'm a bit worried about Nicholas Jarry for Alcaraz. That... I did not say that those was me. words. That was me who said that. Was it? Yeah, we were having dinner. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Good chat, David. I remember it fondly. Um, Holger Rune is through to round three without dropping a set. He now plays Alejandro Davidovic for Kina, which sounds, I've written in caps here, fun. Fun. Mm. Yeah. Big time. Really up for that match. Uh, next talking point I have, I want to rattle through these men's talking points, just a couple more left before we get to the women. Is Matteo Bertini back? He beat Alex de Menor today in three straight sets. And I mean, that's a great scoreline. I didn't watch the match. But having seen him beat Sonigo, I know it was a tight one, I did think he, you know, he's the guy with the pedigree, mm. isn't he? Oh, it's... It's a total game changer if Berrettini is back because that guy knows how to play on a grass court. He's won 34 of his last 38 matches on grass. Oh, what a story. And what a story if he suddenly has a run. Now. Totally. And he was very, very good today. I, I, I was reminded of a quote that Alex Dimonor gave after playing... Uh, Matteo Berrettini at Queen's a couple of years ago where he says it's just what happens when you play a bigger taller guy it's going to happen a lot in in my career God gave me this body it's not like I'm going to grow overnight we've all said that in front of the mirror (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe Matteo Berrettini hasn't. Um, but, I mean... Probably has. <laughs> Berrettini just was able to impose himself, impose his weapons on this match. He won all of his first serve points in the first set and the third set. And what I was most impressed with was how quickly he came out of the blocks in every set and got a break. Because then it was like, for Dumanor, oh, how am I going to win this set? I've got to break this guy's serve now. And it was just such a, such a tall order against him. And yeah, Berrettini is sort of saying all these things, like he wasn't mentally and emotionally ready for Wimbledon because of what happened to him in Stuttgart, and he's still recovering, and he hadn't even served that much coming into this tournament. And yet, he's also saying, I'm actually feeling good, you know, and I'm, I'm playing really well. And he was, and his draw is a nightmare. I'm an absolute nightmare if he's going to make real progress in this tournament. Uh, he's got Alexander Zverev next. Then he would have probably Carlos Alcaraz or Nicholas Jarry. Uh, and then, you know, Tiafo or Runa and Medvedev. That, that's all before, you know, even getting thinking about the final. It feels like a very long way off for him to actually string together so many big wins after not playing for so long. But in each isolated match, he suddenly feels like a threat again. And I didn't think he was a threat at this tournament at all because of just how bad he was in, in Stuttgart a few weeks ago. It would be justice for Matteo Berrettini. I still feel awful for him what he happened what what happened last year coming in in the best possible form having won Queens having won Stuttgart with the experience of having reached the final the previous year and he gets covid. He said he still thinks about that. He said of all the of all the he didn't use the word but I'm going to use it of all the curses that have happened in in his career, I think that's the one that that really hurts the most. Absolutely brutal. Mm. Brutal stroke of luck. Last thing I have on the men's is that Yannick Sinner uh, threw safely, did drop a set to Contact Alice. Um, I think Contact Alice is tricky on grass and has had a really good year. Did look up where he was in the race as well, but I won't, I won't bore you with that. <laughs> he's out of the tournament. And he's got Daniel Galan. Uh, for a place in the quarterfinals, Yannick Sinner. Um, look, he, he's doing the job, and easy draws aren't always easy draws, as previously discussed, but he's getting a good draw here, but he is making the most of it, so yeah. let's see. I mean, he he should be making further progress. Just Just one thing that occurs to me, with all the players that you've read out who are playing people we know, and getting to know a few extra players because of... Nicholas Jarry. Of them having a run. Nicholas Jarry, Roman Safulin, uh, Daniel Gallen. These are players maybe that I, don't, I wouldn't think about that much, but now they're going to have a big match. Um, so I'm quite, quite looking forward to that. But I also would like to see Yannick Sinner make progress through and end up meeting the respective opponents that he ceded to because I just... It's about time he took it to the next level really because he's he, he's he's done well he's shown what he's got but he's yet to win one of these big ones one of these big matches in a big on a big stage I, I want him to do it too because he's so rated Yannick Sinner and I I rate his talent as highly as anybody I see the talent I see that Darren Cahill is there I know that Darren Cahill wouldn't be there if he was seeing even more talent than we see behind mm. the scenes in terms of attitude and commitment. I see all of that and I think he's got the goods and I think he is going to be a Grand Slam champion. He hasn't done any of it yet. He hasn't 
ever reached a Grand Slam semi-final. He hasn't won a Masters 1000. He hasn't done anything, and he's not... And this is fine. He's also not Mr Charisma that's getting headlines for, for other things besides his results. And he does get... You know, he started... He played his first match on centre court. He played his second match on, on court one. He gets big, big billing... Um, and I think part of that is his rivalry with Carlos Alcaraz, which yeah. boosts both of them. And I love that as much as anybody. But I would like to see him substantiate that billing that he gets and it be about real-time results rather than just talent and promise. He's going to have to do it quite soon, I think, because otherwise he will stop getting those billings. Mm. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Let's talk about the women's draw and let's start with a match that got set up today because tomorrow... On centre court, <laughs> we are going to get to see Ange Jabeur against Bianca Andreescu. And <laughs> just like Matthew from... behind the camera there, who gave us a little woohoo, I've got butterflies in my tummy just thinking about this. I'm, I'm so hyped for this match. Hell yes, yeah, it's a, it's a huge yes, please. Uh, didn't didn't see Ons Jabeur's match today. It was well, over in a flash. Well, you missed it. Yeah. Um, but, 6-1, 6-1. Mm. Yeah, but Bianca Andreescu's match was sort of everything a Bianca Andreescu match should be, really. Uh, she she was winning pretty straightforwardly against Angelina Kalina, set in a break, and then 
went off the boil and suddenly found herself down in that third set. But then came the surge. And, I mean, there's not many things better in tennis than the Bianca Andreescu surge. And she said afterwards, and apologies to David's mum, apologies to the live stream, but I'm just going to have to read what she said in the... In the transcript, she said, I wanted to go for it because when I'm passive and hesitant, that's when I don't play my best tennis. I said, fuck it. And I just (laughs) went for it. That's when I play my best tennis. But I need to gain the confidence to do that continuously. And it felt like like we were seeing her gain that confidence as the match went on. And her play in the the start of that tie break, which was obviously a a match tie break, first to ten... And she built just this incredibly commanding lead, and she was absolutely brilliant in those in those first few moments of that tiebreak. Got a little tight, got a little edgy, of course, but she got over the line. Yeah, it was what nine three, and we were all just talking about how good Jabir Andrescu is <laughs> going to be, and then it got to nine six, and we all went. Oh, if we, if so it was we, like we, we, what have we done? We pretty much stopped paying attention to the score <laughs> yeah. whilst we hyped Andrescu mm. and Jabir. I, I am a little bit concerned that Jabir might just take her to the cleaners. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's going to take anyone to the cleaners, it's that's that way around. I think it could be epic. I don't, I don't see Andrescu taking Jabir to the cleaners, but no. could happen the other way around. But I, mm. let's be positive. Did you uh, keep across Andrescu's press conference? Because if not, I've got good good news to break to you. She is, at, for the first time this tournament, being followed by the Netflix cameras. <gasps> yeah. Wow. So, well, I Netflix did, effect. I did hear that this year they're being a bit more fluid mm. with who they're following. Um, and she said, didn't she, at the French Open, that she was asked last year... And she declined, and but she had hoped that she'd be asked again this mm. year because she would have would have liked to do it. So, look, I I think whether it's and look, obviously everyone knows I love Andrescu, but whether it's Andrescu or someone similar with in her position, I think that is an open goal for Netflix to follow someone f- trying to find something that yeah. they once had. And mm. uh, frankly, even just the the backstage. Com- Interviews that they might do at her house or wherever she is. She's somebody I I think has just got so much to tell us about from the last four years. Um, And I'd love to know about it. Yeah, really glad to hear that. They're following Mira Andreva as well, aren't they? Yes, which I'm very pleased about. Everything she says is kind of a bit dreamy. Does does that not worry you at all with her being as as young as she is? Yes, I have concerns. Yeah, I mean, I find her great fun. I love, I love when she does her press conferences. But she's I would so like to, young. It's all about the people that are around her, and I don't know enough about those people to know how concerned I sh- I should be. Mm. Um, so we'll see. Um, thank you for pooping on the party, though, David. <laughs> um, you watched Alina Svitolina today yeah. continue her incredible comeback into the second week of back-to-back slams now today at the expense of Sophia Kennan, who I think hit the wall a little bit. Is that too reductive? Uh, uh, may- maybe a bit. Um, but here's, here's what happened. 
Kenin went up 3-1 in the match and she had points for 4-1 double break and she was playing fantastically well she was her her upper level I would say is probably higher than Svitolina I mean she's the one who's won the Grand Slam and, and, and reached another Grand Slam final and her drop shot is absolutely lethal and she hurt Svitolina probably four times with her drop shot um, and, and she was hitting winners all over the place but then she sat down when she didn't break for 4-1 and she looked so on the edge she's hyping herself up she's talking to herself and it it discomforted me a little to watch it I'm thinking it's such a fine line between being pumped and being anxious and she came out she immediately lost the serve to love um, and from there on it was it was a sort of battle and I, I was really curious to see whether this this Svitolina that I've heard about this more aggressive more hitting out on a shot Svitolina was a thing because I haven't seen a plain person since she's come back and she went right into lockdown mode. She saw what was going on down the other end of the court and she just refused to miss. She won the tie break. Second set, totally different. Svitolina loosened up and she hit so many winners. I'm telling you, it was it was quite eye-opening to me. I have not seen a play like that before, ever. She hit 20-odd winners in the, in the course of the match. You know, I think she'd hit something like eight forehand winners, five backhand winners in, in sort of a set set and a half and uh, the rest volleys and whatnot but she was brilliant in the second set absolutely took it away from Kenin and they had uh, Raymond Slaughter, her coach up there who's somebody we've seen coaching Kiki Burton somebody I got to know on the ATP tour when I was a communications manager who's a top 50 player he's just a good guy he's just a and a good tennis brain but just good presence and I love seeing what she's doing with her game. It's it's different. She's using it sparingly. She's not just going out and trying to hit winners all the time. But that showed she's got something in her game. And maybe he's found a way to help her unlock it. Maybe her coming back to the sport after a time away has made her free up. I don't know why. But there's something different. She's got Victoria Azarenka next to upset Daria Kazakina today. And upset in terms of seeding, mm. obviously... Azarenka is the, the two-time Grand Slam champion there, but I, I rate Kazakina on grass. I think that's a big win for yeah. Azarenka, and I, I love the sound of Svitolina Azarenka. 5-0, the head-to-head for Azarenka. I was really taken is aback it? when I looked wow. at that. I mean, there was, there's been some close matches in there, and they do go over a long spell of time, probably when Azarenka was more or less at her peak and Svitolina was coming up as well. But even so, you know, a player of her, her level, she's been three in the world surprising that she's lost all five Mm. interesting can't wait for that match that is one that isn't tomorrow right there's a lot of matches I'm talking about here that were set up today that are being played tomorrow because because rain Um, including Andrescu Jabur of course which is on centre court tomorrow but I think Svitolina Azarenka is Sunday correct great Um, (laughs) speaking of hitting hitting the wall Donna Vekic today Matt and I were sitting watching her match against Marketa Vondrosheva today at our desks and I had this moment of is it yesterday it feel it feels like 20 seconds ago that we were sat here in this very position watching Donna Vekic mm. um, and if that's how we felt about that turnaround imagine how Donna Vekic felt yeah, about I, it 
it's it's definitely how Donna Vekic felt about it. I think she looked uncomfortable straight away. To be honest, in this match, I think there was probably a physical element of you know it was a pretty grueling match yesterday against Stevens, but more than anything, I think just uh, just an emotional element of how quick that turnaround was from such a big win and you know it was a it was a victory yesterday against Stevens but she went through a lot in that match you know she was in tears on the court that's that's not something that you can just brush off that I think takes some sort of getting over and some and some working through to be honest and against Marketa Vondrosheva who is completely inexplicable but we know the upper limits of her of her game and her talent are so high and and she displayed them today Vekic did manage to break back when Vondrosheva was serving for the match the first time like she did against Stevens and I thought okay here we go again maybe she's going to be able to get herself going but she didn't she didn't have it in her for that real surge that she displayed yesterday and Vondrosheva was a was a pretty deserving winner I think it's Marie Buzkova next for her. Buzkova having beaten Caroline Garcia 7-5 in the third in a match that was moved from court 18 at a set-all to be completed under the roof, under the lights on court number one. And what a set of tennis, everybody on court number one. I assume that was mostly not court one ticket holders and it was mostly people that got a grounds pass and just got lucky having stayed around all night. It was an extraordinary third yeah, they, set. They were actually putting up signs saying anybody can come in now into oh, court number one, love which that. was which was great and just just what you want to see them do. And uh, yeah, I was watching on the screen and uh, living every moment, and particularly with Buzkova's mum and watching oh. her and going through it. You know, oh, those are the scenes, aren't they? In in tennis faces news, I think Marie Buzkova's mum might give <laughs> me and Yelena Ostapenko a run for our money. And that's saying something. She gives good reaction, doesn't she? Yeah, she really did. Uh, didn't she have her phone out ready to uh, to record match point? And then we've all been there. The moment you're waiting for doesn't happen, and uh, yeah, you know, she still ploughed on. <laughs> we've got we've got some tweets in drafts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's very much a yeah, tweet in drafts. It's, it's just she was caught on camera. Mm, yeah, she was such a mood, and I always find it's totally unrelatable when nearest and dearest coaches even are able to sit in players' boxes with their poker faces on. Admirable and extraordinary, but very unrelatable. I, I find it Mm. far more um, human if you like to to see someone giving giving what uh, Marie Buzkova's mum was giving in that match Marie Buzkova incidentally news just in on her she's got her own logo folks okay how do we feel about that oh well, I know how Catherine feels. <laughs> and what they does it feel like? brilliant about that. I mean, Marie Buzkova does seem to be like the nicest person in tennis. Nobody has a bad word to say about her. In fact, this <laughs> tidbit of information arose from my Marie Buzkova contact just messaging me to say, oh, I'm so pleased for Marie. She's just absolutely delightful. Everyone loves her. Everyone in the locker room loves her. And I said, oh, yeah, that's good to know. Do we? I feel like we're always saying 
just how nice she is. That's what you say about Marie Buskova. Have you got anything else for me? Yes, she's got a logo. <laughs> you've been you've been very gentle on Marie Buskova there. Compared yeah, to compared to very yeah, nice people, Felix Auger-Aliassime <laughs> and Yannick Sinner. Yeah, she shouldn't <laughs> the have a logo. Treatment they got. No, she shouldn't have a logo. <laughs> One Grand Slam quarterfinal. Absurd. <laughs> Check yourself. Check yourself, Marie. There we go. <laughs> Iga Sriontek faced a, a tiny bit of jeopardy today. Just a, just a teeny tiny bit of jeopardy against Petra Martic today. Yeah, definitely. This this was a a tricky match that she got under control, but then it really felt like this was going to go to to a deciding set. Sriontek served for it at five four in the second set, got broken to love. And then Martic went up 40-love in the very next game. So Martic had won seven points in a row just when you thought that Svantec was about to win it. And it really felt like it was turning. But then suddenly Martic started to get really tight and Svantec found a few returns and managed to break back and then, and then serve it out. But yeah, this, this was a match, and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about Arena Sabalenka as well, but it was, I just found it interesting today that there's a lot of talk... I'm not sure I'm... I'm sort of into the idea, I just don't like the term necessarily, about, you know, big three on on the WTA. But, I, you know, those three players have separated themselves. And it struck me today that Igor Sviontek and Arena Sabalenka did big three sort of stuff. You know, they weren't at their best, they weren't playing all that well, and yet they managed to win. And that is the absolute marker of what really good players do, and it's a marker of what those players have been doing all season because they've been going really deep in, in tournaments regularly. They've not been tripping up early. And that was that was a little bit tricky against Petra Martic today. And I think it is again in the next round against Belinda Bencic, who is not someone at the start of the tournament that I really thought about in Igor Svantec's draw just because she's barely won any matches recently. But she always says she likes grass She's played Sviantec tough in the past, earlier this year in the United Cup. That was a very close match, albeit straight sets, but the second set was really close. And Bencic was playing really well at the start of the year, before she got injured, before she split with Dmitry Tursunov. There's been a bit of turmoil, I think, recently. But we know how good Bencic can mm. be, and suddenly that now feels like a real test for Igor Sviantec to me. Yeah, can't wait for that match. Honestly, first real, real test for, for Igor Svantec. Look, Martic was, was great today, but that's a step up and I want to see it. Uh, you mentioned Sabalenka, so let's go there. She had to serve to stay in the match today yes. against Vavara Gracheva. That, In fact, it was Hannah's tweet saying, Irina Sabalenka is about to serve to stay in Wimbledon that made me go... Right, I should probably watch that. <laughs> what I was, what on was the, happening? I was on the court next door at the time. Um, I was on court number 12. That was going on on court number two, and they're actually side by side. And you could feel this murmur going around from, from that court that there's something developing. And people on our court were sort of craning their necks behind to have a look over into the other court. And, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't able to watch the actual tennis, but I do like a player under threat like that who finds a way out yeah and that has been a Sabalenka feature really you know we've we've talked in the past how she has got this extraordinary record of losing the first set in a slam and and ending up winning it obviously she didn't manage to do that against Mukova at Roland Garros recently 
But honestly, I I went over to the court when she was a set down 6-2. It had been a terrible first set. She just, you know, it was just so many unforced errors from Sabalenka. Just Sabalenka sort of at her worst, really. So I I went over to the court and it was kind of a... I felt it was a, it was a tale of three Sabalenka roars. There was one midway through the second set where it was like she needed to get it out of her system, that how angry she was. And she actually said in the press conference afterwards that she had the presence of mind to, to, to let out this huge roar rather than smash her racket because she didn't want to damage the grass. <laughs> and she said, yeah, I just, I just needed to express some emotion and loosen up because she was just an error machine. And then there was another one um, a bit later in the second set, which felt like one of real defiance. You know, she had she got this match back on track. And then there was one in the third set, which was almost one of triumph, where she had she had finally taken over. And she said afterwards that what was really troubling her was the fact that she had the wrong string tension because, you know, Let's be honest. I'm in I'm in short sleeves today, rather than wrap, rather than wrapped up in a in a coat. It's been a much hotter day today. It's been a very bizarre week of weather. Right, but it's been very different conditions today to what they've been training in and practicing in all week. You know, where it's been wet and damp and cold. There were socks in bed two nights ago <laughs> in July. I didn't wear socks in bed in the winter. Anyway, so she said she was she was overheating in the first set just completely overheading completely unable to control her ball needed to change her strings did so mid-match got it under control and yeah this is this is Sabalenka 2023 this Mm. is Sabalenka 2.0 she is able to steady matches when they look like they're going out of out of her control and it's a really compelling watch to see her do that she gets the train back on the tracks Mm. Jessica Bagula is just trucking along really well fairly unnoticed Continuing the sort of train, train I, analogy there, I like I, it. I arrived on her court because I was doing the Svitolina match, which was after Pagula, so I arrived for her on-court interview and to hear her talk about how grass and Wimbledon is the one that she'd yet to conquer, the one that she's had all these results and everywhere else, but this is the first time she's, I think, into the second week of Wimbledon. And she was really chuffed about it. You know, you could tell that this is... And she, she was also quite... Uh, detailed about how yes she looks like she's got this poker face on the court but she's actually a bit of a wreck underneath and that it's all going on you know she's boiling inside but um, I, I'm pleased that she's making progress too because yes she might not be part of that three but she's been part of the story hasn't she the the, the little group generally that have been battling out for a year and a half mm. She's got Lucia Serenko next for a place in the Wimbledon quarterfinals, which, look, Serenko's having a great year, some good results. But, again, it's on paper, good draw. I'm going to defer to Matt here to tell you about how Serenko booked her place in this fourth-round match because, while all sorts of dramatic stuff involving big names was happening earlier on today, including Andy Murray on, on centre court, Matt, was just engrossed in Anna Bogdan. <laughs> formally, Honestly, couldn't well, tear him away from Anna Formerly of the backhand list. Mm. Well, it was all my favourite things. It was uh, a former backhand list person in Anna Bogdan, and it was a final set tie-break. And not just any final set tie-break. The, the ITF had the line that it was the longest 
tiebreak in women's Grand Slam history in terms of points played uh, ended up uh, being 2018, I think, to Licia Serenko. Wow. And, and I'll tell you why that's a good draw for Jessica Bagula, because Licia Serenko could barely walk after this match. I mean, that was, oh that was three hours... 40 minutes or so. And the tiebreak f- alone was 35 minutes? Yeah, maybe even pushing 40 minutes. Wow. It was unbelievable. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a fondness for all players who are either on my backhand list or have previously been on it, and Anna Bogdan is, is one of those. She probably and doesn't have a fondness for you, having been kicked <laughs> off the backhand list. Who replaced her? I bumped her off for Coco Goff. But, you know, she, she, she wasn't... She wasn't uh, in my consciousness too much because she wasn't winning too many matches. It's a ruthless business. Can't wait it is more about the time when Anna Bogdan was in your consciousness. <laughs> what a time! Uh, so sorry, Matt, but Bogdan is out. Mm. A heartbreaking way to go out. Yeah. Serenko three to face Pagula. Uh, you wrote Brengel exclamation mark into the agenda. <laughs> there I am doing the agenda, and then I, I come back to edit it, and I find Matt's Matt added in. A bit of Madison Brengel. Who lost today? Why would you like to talk about her? <laughs> well, I think there, there sort of comes a time in, in every Grand Slam day where I'm less concerned about what's good and more concerned about what's funny. <laughs> and, and when Madison Brengel's playing, she's the funny sweet spot. <laughs> and what was funny about this is that Katarina Alexandra won this match despite hitting 91 unforced errors. No. Yeah. Madison Brengel won 131 points. 91 of them were unforced errors <laughs> from Alexandrova. Uh, and, you know, it was three tie breaks, <laughs> which had never happened before at, uh, at Wimbledon. Very rare. Only happened up to the handful of times in slams. It was just... It was just a funny match. You know, there was... Savalenka was losing. Berrettini was was coming back and happening. And yet I was drawn to... <laughs> to Alexandra... To Alexandra sort of unforced erroring her way to victory. 91. I enjoyed it. 91. Wow. <laughs> um, I love it. Last line of the day. Uh, former Wimbledon champion Petra Kvitova won today 2-2 two and two versus Sasnovich. And future Wimbledon champion Yulin Niemeyer did not win today. She right. lost 6-1 in the third to Dalma Galfi, which Hannah isn't necessarily the CV of a future Wimbledon no. champion. We'd love to know if Hannah still believes mm. after that. Well, it was, it was tough for her as it was, for as we talked about with Vekic earlier, you know, a lot of players having to... Having to, do, having to do double duty in consecutive days. You know, it was, it was the same for a lot of players, but I think some players will respond better, better to that than others. And honestly, I think that's a, a, such, a, such a good thing to have said from Hannah, future Wimbledon champion, because it's, it's wonderfully vague. Like, I mean, it's very specific in a way. Wimbledon champion is bold but, but until, the same, the, until the day she retires it's always that possible. prediction is in play it isn't, is like isn't it a bit like baby fed <laughs> hasn't she got to live with that tag for the next 10 years I'd be surprised if she's aware of it for sure <laughs> she's gonna be mm. <laughs> yeah it's like well Hannah's like well I didn't say it would happen now so doesn't matter that she's gone out it's Hannah says in the chat, I absolutely still believe that's why the accolade is future Wimbledon champion. Yeah, I'm with you, Hannah. 
Can right. I also say just very quickly one thing uh, directed towards the chat is that people like to follow the progress of our beer drinking and they might have noticed that I've remained at this level for about the last 40 minutes. That's because there's an, a flying ant in it. And I didn't oh, like... no. Is it flying ant day? Yeah. I th- no, I think it's going to be tomorrow. Oh, great. It's going to get worse. Oh, sure. Yeah. I think it might. It's always during Wimbledon, obviously. Yeah, so I'm a bit um, I think today has been the precursor to Flying Ant Day. It's been a oh. very insect. You, d- you don't want to. I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I won the race today, but I did have a bit of a head start. There we go. Um, right. How about. L race. <laughs> I told you it was going to be a big day mm. for the race. Uh, how about tomorrow's order of play, which is. In one minute's time, I'm going to be today, today's <laughs> order of play, because it is 11.59pm. Alcaraz against Jarry, centre court, right where Nicholas right Jarry belongs. Be. <laughs> Ons Jabur against Bianca Andrescu, second on. And yes, then Katie please. Bolter against Lena Rabatkin. I love that order of play on centre tomorrow. Medvedev against Vucevic, first on one. Blinkova Sabalenka and then Berrettini Zverev. Uh, we've got Petro Kvitova, Stefanos Sitsipas, and then Tiafo Dimitrov, mm. third on court two today. Love that matchup. Haddad Maya, Kostea, Davidovich, Vakina, Runa is second on court three tomorrow. Reggie's queuing again tonight, so maybe he'll head, yes, to, head to court three for that. Miran Dreva against Anna Potapova. Tommy Paul is on court 12. Kostiuk Keys. It's, it, it's so funny, this Wimbledon. There were players who... I haven't even sort of noticed yet, like Tommy Paul. Mm. And yet, Stefanos Tsitsipas seems to be playing every minute of the tournament so mm. far. It's very, it's well, very he's confusing. Have to, he's this playing again tomorrow, isn't he? And he's playing doubles again tomorrow because his men's doubles with brother Petros, brackets, lucky to be here. <laughs> hardest working man hard, in tennis. Brackets, brackets, hardest working he man in tennis. He seems to have some sort of coaching role from what I can see in there. Hmm. Hmm. We were on such a sit-to-pass high today. <laughs> anyway, so well. they've got to come back and play. They, they were suspended down. due to bad light. So sit-to-pass is just everywhere, whereas Tommy Paul is completely flying mm. under the radar. Look, we'll make an effort to, to watch some of the people that have, have gone unnoticed so far tomorrow. But that is tomorrow. That's what you've got to look forward to. Uh, cracking lineup. I think, is that the juniors getting started tomorrow? Can't engage with that yet. Going to file that in the same place I filed... <laughs> Kevin Anderson's comeback <laughs> for later. Uh, we have our Wimbledon mascot, Erin. Hello, Erin. Lovely, lovely cat. Erin, thank you, Daryl, for bringing Erin into our lives, our Wimbledon lives. We have our mascots. I've got Zenya. David's got Maisie. Yeah, hi, Maisie. I think I've. I'm just disgracing ourselves at the moment. Thank no, well, you're doing I, all right. No, I, but I'm just living off that one great Kenin <laughs> prediction. Everything since then has coming gone for pretty badly wrong. We're oh. coming for you, then, so. yeah. Matt's got Darwin. Yeah, we made slow progress, but some progress Did today. you get yourself on the board got picking Novak Djokovic <laughs> or something? No, I picked Hans Jabeur, who lost oh, two games. Right, okay. Billie Jean is sponsored by <laughs> Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. I saw Billie Jean briefly earlier on today. Lovely. And Billie Jean King. And Billie Jean King, not at the same time, sadly. <laughs> uh, we have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah, Andrew and Matt. We have shout-outs. We've got Carol Hooper who is in Orpington. Hi, Carol. Orpington is in Surrey. 
Kent. Kent says Matthew. It is Kent. Very good. Thank you, Carol. Like, um... Like, like Carol. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Who's that? She is Canadian. Oh. Tennis player. Oh. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Carol. I've covered a lot of Billie Jean King Cup. <laughs> I'm glad you have because I was really struggling. <laughs> um, who's next? Thanks, Matt? Carol. Next, we have Sarah Yisa. Hello, Sarah. Washington, D.C. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Sarah says, I've been listening since 2020. I've been working my way through older episodes and recently listened to the one recorded after Andy Murray's 2013 Wimbledon win. It was it was 10 years today, oh my wasn't goodness. it, since, since Andy Murray won Wimbledon for the first time. So thank you, Sarah. Thoughts and prayers with Carol. <laughs> with Sarah. Sarah, oh, I'm still thinking about Carol Zhao. <laughs> Sarah Goma was a British player of the 80s. Um, and I genuinely can't think of anybody more up to date. Um, Which is extraordinary to think. There's a lot of Sarahs in the world. And Sarah Cerebus Tormo. Okay, we'll go with that. It's, it's not great, is it? It's close. Yeah. Um. S- Keep, to- to keep talking, Matt. I have. I'm googling. Okay. Well, <laughs> now we've got Cynthia Hugerslag. Okay. I think last year I just said Cynthia and didn't wasn't bold enough to say the surname. So you and thought live. No, live was the time she, to do it. She told you off. Told me off. Excellent. She wrote in in our survey that we do to get the shout outs please attempt my surname <laughs> next year so Quite not right. only have I attempted it I've attempted it live and no doubt butchered it that was for you Cynthia yeah. Sarah Borwell Sarah Borwell very mm. good Catherine. former British player well, well very good Google yes thank good you job. Google uh, now, uh, now we need a Cynthia, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> well it. I can give you some background on, on this Cynthia she is from the Netherlands and the first professional tennis match she watched live was Tim Henman against Dominic Habati in the ABN AMRO. I guess that's Rotterdam, is uh, it? I remember that. Yeah, you remember, I remember that, that match? Yeah. That match. Yeah. Cynthia, what I have oh. for you is Cynthia. <laughs> of course, Dur- it is. Vaguely the nineties. <laughs> Derner, an Australian former international tennis player, competed in the Australian Open four times between 1973 and 1979. Born on the 11th of February, the day after me. I mean, not the day after me, several decades before me. But <laughs> Carol Zhao isn't seeming so niche now. <laughs> and he got that from his head. 
See? Thank you, Cynthia. <laughs> Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you to all our friends of the Tennis Podcast that make this show possible year-round. If you would like to become a friend of the Tennis Podcast, then you can do that by following the link in our show notes. You'll be supporting us and you'll be getting tons of bonus content or, depending on how young you are, hashtag Bocco throughout the course of the year uh, subscribe to the newsletter it's excellent and Still it's free Bocco, the, <laughs> the link I'll never stop David the link to do that is also in our show notes smash that like and subscribe button if you're watching us Hi, on kids. YouTube uh, what else uh, get, leave us an Apple podcast review if you fancy doing that and tell your friends and most importantly join us again tomorrow however you're joining us we're loving having your company and we will see you and speak to you then Thank you.